Amen. Let us uh, turn then to Psalm 27, page 583 in the Blue ESV Bibles. And uh, a word as you're turning there, we've completed our work through 1 Timothy. And uh, now, Lord willing, we'll be in the Old Testament through uh, the end of this calendar year. And so we're going to take the Psalms. We're going to take one psalm from each of the five books of the Psalms. That's our our hope. That's our plan. And so there's five books of the Psalms. The first book is Psalms 1 to 41. Here we have Psalm uh, 27. And as we're doing this, we'll think a little bit about about the the structure, the ordering of of the whole Psalter. Uh, The Psalms uh, stand alone. Uh, we, we can teach we can take each psalm as an individual psalm and each psalm is individually inspired uh, by the Holy Spirit through all different human authors from uh, from Moses to David and Solomon and uh, this uh, Asaph and others um, but they they do they are intentionally ordered the ordering of the psalms is also inspired and also teaches us things uh, where psalms are in the five books, uh, general patterns and, and, and running themes. And uh, we'll be thinking about this intentionally as we take uh, one psalm uh, from each of the five books. Sometimes uh, this relates to how a psalm fits within one of the five books. Uh, sometimes we see movements uh, through all five books together. Uh, and sometimes we have uh, a little group of psalms uh, within a book, and Psalm 27 is is one of those. And we'll talk about that more in our second point. And then uh, just uh, just to give you a little roadmap, uh, Lord willing, we'll we'll have maybe a couple of Proverbs sermons, and then we'll we'll come to the Book of Ruth, and we'll we'll work all the way through the Book of Ruth uh, to uh, to the end of of the calendar year. So that's our that's our plan, our hope, brothers and sisters. Uh, with that, let us uh, come to this psalm, Psalm 27, the psalm of David. Let us hear the word of God. Of David, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid when evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes? It is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord. That will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, Seek my face. 
My heart says to you, Your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. So far the reading. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our Lord endures forever. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the might of our Lord Jesus is expressed in a number of ways and with a number of pictures in this psalm. It is so helpful to hear uh, the truths of Scripture, the same truth expressed with a number of images. When we think about salvation, we have many images of salvation. When we think about the strength of the Lord, that's another thing where we have many images. We're not just told this one way in one place. We're told it many ways with many pictures. And so for some, the image of a stronghold in the middle of verse 1 might be especially powerful. But for others, maybe even perhaps because... Uh, Living in the United States, maybe you've never actually seen a stronghold with your own eyes. Uh, Perhaps there's other images uh, that are uh, more uh, powerful, more immediately apparent to us, such as the image of God lifting us onto a high rock. And that's in verse 5, because if you've never seen a stronghold castle with your own eyes, I think we have all seen a large and strong rock with our own eyes. But whatever it is for these pictures, and as they speak to David's own specific context, which was the darkness of preparing for battle, we see that throughout the psalm, whether it's that kind of context or our own seasons of darkness that take different shapes, whatever it is, let us know God is strong. And let that lead to the commandment at the end of the psalm to be strong. We move from God's strength to a call to be strong. That's our theme this morning. Seeing the Lord's strength, be strong. We're going to first look at standing by God's strength, and then worshiping by God's strength, and then praying for God's strength. Verses 7 to 12 are are especially prayer language in this psalm. Well, now let's let's go to that first point. Praise is the dominant theme of the whole Psalter. Even the heaviest psalms nearly always have an explicit word of praise to God within them. And Psalm 27 is one of many psalms which is full of words of Praise to the Lord. It begins with this expression, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I 
fear. And that question, whom shall I fear, uh, which then takes uh, this form at the end of the verse, of whom shall I be afraid, that, that informs us how the image of light is being used in this psalm. Because light is used uh, in a number of ways in Scripture. It symbolizes a number of different things. Here, light is that which pierces the darkness of fear, the darkness of things that we fear. And what an appropriate picture that is, because uh, we know that sometimes what we fear is darkness itself. I'm afraid of the dark, many have said. And so in this psalm, when we say the Lord is my light, the, David is especially saying this, the Lord is my light, he's the one in whom my fears are conquered. He is the light that pierces the darkness of my fears. And what is the dark thing which David is focused on? Well, he's, he's going to speak about more than one thing. We'll see this especially in our third point. But there's, there's a main... Uh, there's a main concern all throughout the psalm, and that is the darkness of war. It's the darkness of war, and war is a very dark thing. And David was a man of war. As a youth, he fought against Goliath. In the following years, he was a general under Saul, and then uh, almost certainly this psalm is written when David is, is king and when the tabernacle is in Jerusalem. And as king, David was the commander-in-chief of the Lord's army, the army of the nation of Israel, God's nation. And so all throughout his life, David was a man of war. Uh, indeed, uh, if we think to the narrative of the Old Testament David is described as going to war again and again. And then there's that one time when we're told that he did not go to war and it leads to all kinds of trouble. And that's 1 Samuel 11, verse 1, the time when David did not go to war in the spring of the year, which is followed by his sins with Bathsheba and Uriah. Uriah, who was one of his mighty men, one of his greatest soldiers. And so David was a man of war, and so we're not surprised that in a psalm of David that would be a darkness which is focused on. And again, war is a very dark thing. It is a very dark season. It is a very painful thing. Thankfully, very few people who live in Wisconsin now know warfare by firsthand experience. Indeed, even fewer and fewer. We might think of our own church family and we might think of Cal Walvert, who's no longer with us. He was one who knew the darkness of war by firsthand experience. And perhaps you even heard uh, some of his testimonies, which he almost never spoke about, uh, but, which, uh, but which came to be known, especially through, through one granddaughter that he told about them. War is a dark, dark thing. And this is especially the darkness which David is speaking of. There's the enemy encampment, verse 3, the, the enemy uh, army, and then all this other language of war. And so, brothers and sisters, that brings us back to verse 1, 
And the first picture of the strength of the Lord is given in, in military terms then. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. And then we look ahead to the end of the psalm and we see verse 14, Be strong and let your heart take courage. Be strong and courageous. Those two Hebrew verbs appear in the same verse about a dozen times in the Old Testament. Almost every single time it's in the context of warfare, including probably the most famous times when Moses says it to Joshua more than once in the book of Deuteronomy. Be strong and courageous. What is the context? It's especially the context of facing the darkness of war, a war which you must fight as one of God's covenant people, either entering the covenant land, Joshua as the military commander, as they go in for the conquest, uh, whether it's David as the commander-in-chief of the nation of Israel's army, or we could also go to a, one more example, and that is, uh, these are the words, these are the verbs that the righteous king Hezekiah used in Second Chronicles 32, verse 7. Be strong and courageous, he says to his troops. Do not be afraid or dismayed because of the king of Assyria and the horde that is with him, for there are more with us than with him. And that was the time when the mighty king of Assyria Sennacherib was mocking God and standing outside the gates of Jerusalem. Now, uh, brothers and sisters, as I said, thankfully, uh, very few people in Wisconsin know the darkness of warfare by firsthand experience. But surely, brothers and sisters, there are many other forms of darkness. This is, this is one which was real in David's life. This is one which dominates the context of this psalm. But there are other forms of darkness. There are other seasons of darkness. There are other things of which we can be afraid. Are you afraid of the dark itself? Are you afraid of the darkness of painful circumstances? Is your darkness a fear that's related to the pressures of the voices of this world? And there we might think again of Second Chronicles 32, which is, it's a military time. It's the armies of Assyria against the armies of Israel, but it's a spiritual time. It's the mocking of God by Sennacherib against those who would trust in the Lord within the gates of God's city. Perhaps it is the darkness of, of other kinds of physical weakness, not the, not the threat against the body which comes from war, but the threat against the body which comes from disease and pain. These are all seasons of darkness which God's people face on this earth. There are many different ways that we might uh, have enemies on this sinful earth who assail me and try to eat up my flesh. That's the language of verse 2. But whatever the season of darkness is, we're called to trust in the Lord. We're called to trust in His light 
again, the word light is used in many ways in Scripture. Here it is used as a picture of God breaking through the darkness of dark seasons, of painful things. And it doesn't just apply to war. It applies to many seasons of darkness, many different kinds of darkness which God's people can face. The Lord is my light. The Lord is the one who can shine understanding, who can shine through that darkness, and he is the one who is strong in whom I can trust. Surely God is the only true light, the only almighty one. Even when I'm facing a season of darkness, he is always worthy of worship. That's our second point, brothers and sisters, worshiping God. And that's the focus in the uh, immediately preceding verses, verses 4 to 6. Look at all the worship language here. The house of the Lord and the temple in verse 4. Even though the temple hasn't uh, been built yet, that's still an expression of the place of worship. Uh, what What is the place of worship right now? It's the tabernacle. It's the tent Verse 5, we see that word tent. And then more worship language. What were the rites of worship? What were the, the ceremonies of worship in the Old Testament? It was the sacrifices. And we see the language of sacrifices in verse 6. This is, this is where David must go. Again, the, the context in the psalm is preparing for war. Did David go to the armory? Yes, he did. When he... Uh, fought Goliath in his younger years. That was a rather simple armory. It was a sling and five stones. But then after the defeat of Goliath, which was not just a battle, it was a spiritual battle. After the defeat of Goliath, what does David do? He takes Goliath's sword. And then we see him pick up that sword again in the Old Testament narrative. That sword may still be his weapon of choice. David is going out to war. He, he does stop by the armory. He's probably picking up Goliath's old sword. But that's not his focus. And so again, we might think of our own seasons of darkness, the own, uh, that which might come against our body today. We might think of disease and pain. And do we, do we stop by the, the pharmacy? Do we stop by the armory? Do we take uh, medicine which is prescribed for us? Yes, we do. But that is not our ultimate hope. That is not where the psalm focuses. Verse 4 is not, and then I went into the armory and I picked up my sword. Verse 4 is where our ultimate focus and our ultimate hope is always to rest. It's in God's presence. And where is God's presence displayed in a special way in the house of worship. In New Testament language, it's, it's the church. In New Testament language, it's not the sacrifices, it's the sacraments. God is present everywhere, but we're called to come into his presence. That is to be our focus. That is to be our hope. Worshiping him, directing our gaze upon him doesn't mean that we don't take medicine. It doesn't mean we don't lock our doors. It doesn't mean we don't pick up our sword when we're going into battle. But this is our source of hope. This is 
where our gaze must be. Worship God. And so, a huge part of what Psalm 27 is telling us is even when you're facing seasons of darkness, worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Come into His presence. Come into His house. And uh, remember, before a scripture reading, I said one of the things that we have in the Psalms is running themes. We have running themes. Psalm 27 is part of one of those running themes. The theme of worship is consecutively in uh, Psalms 26 to 30, explicitly, and, and some say 23 to 30, but the temple's not explicitly referenced in Psalms 24 and, and 25. Uh, but just uh, look with, with me in, in a moment. Uh, Psalms 26, verses 6 to 8. There is language of God's altar in verse 6, and then in verse 8, O Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. And then uh, going ahead to verse 28, we see in, in Psalm 28, verse 2, Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands toward your most holy sanctuary. And then Psalm 29, verses 2 and 9, we have language about worship, worshiping the Lord in the splendor of holiness, the end of verse 2. Uh, and then in verse 9, there is reference to his temple and that worship language. And then Psalm 30, uh, it, is, it is right there in the dedication. We might say Psalm 30, verse 0. It's a psalm of David, a song at the dedication of the temple. And then uh, that takes us back. We don't have an explicit reference in Psalm 25, but uh, some say that Psalm 24 and perhaps 25 as well, but especially 24, was written when the tabernacle was taken into Jerusalem. And there's hints that that's verse 7 to 10 may very well be exactly what that's talking about. But then if we go back to Psalm 23, we have explicit reference to the house of the Lord again. Psalm 23 the psalm, the shepherd's psalm, how does that psalm end? Psalm 23, verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is a running theme. And uh, there's uh, worship uh, to God is something we need to hear about again and again. It's something we're called to do again and again. And so worship to God is again a running theme from Psalm 120 all the way to Psalm 134. They're all introduced as a song of ascents. They're all psalms about preparing for worship. And so here, Psalm 27 is part of a running theme. And what does that teach us, brothers and sisters? Well, we don't, we don't have time to really work through all of this today. We're focusing on Psalm 27, but I would encourage you Read especially Psalms 26 to 30 and see how they're about all kinds of different circumstances. They have a number of different uh, uh, themes and focuses within them, but in all of those different things, worship the Lord. That's one of the things that a running theme in the Psalms teaches to us. So very briefly, Psalm 26 is about worship the Lord, but do not worship with hypocrites. 
Psalm 28 is about worship God in times when you are desperate for God's help. It's closely related to Psalm 27. Worship God when you're facing a season of darkness, when you're facing warfare. Psalm 29 is then focused on God is the one of authority and power, and so worship knowing who God is. Psalm 30 is focused on the mercy of God as he deals with his people, and so worship knowing God's mercy. That would be just a very brief way, but I could even encourage you to read through those psalms and and see this running theme and how it teaches us to worship God at all different times. Again, coming back to Psalm 27, we worship God because He is our light in the seasons of darkness. He is our strength in those seasons when, when uh, when we are weak in facing these things. Surely, uh, at this time, brothers and sisters, uh, let us consider uh, what it means to look upon and worship the eternal Son, Jesus Christ. He is the light. John 8, verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows Me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That is the fulfillment of all of the images of light in their various uses and meanings throughout the Scriptures. Jesus is the light. Look at the end of verse 4 with me. He goes into the house of God to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Now, um, my wife and I have sought to teach our children to, to pray. One of the things we try to teach them is, is to pray praise to who Jesus is. So often the last words of prayer before they say amen are, thank you that Jesus is so, and then we're, we're teaching them to learn to fill in the blanks. So we don't have just one word that follows that. We're trying to teach them to use different words to praise Jesus. Thank you that Jesus is so, and often they'll say, wonderful. Amen. Well, as they're learning to put different words in that blank, it's, it's, it's a joy to hear covenant children expressing who Jesus is. Okay, so our, our two-year-old started saying, thank you that Jesus is so powerful. Amen. Well, the other night, she surprised us a little bit. And uh, brothers and sisters, I, I think this is, this, is, this is helpful for us, but, uh, but um, I don't want to be disrespectful. So, so hear it in, in the context of, of how we're using it. My two-year-old said, thank you that Jesus is so pretty. Amen. Well... I am glad that my two-year-old could take a word that she knows is a good word and apply it to Jesus. Now, pretty, the way we use it in the English language, we really only apply it to, to females. And Jesus is male. He's eternal son of God. So we had to say, okay, uh, let's not say that Jesus is so pretty. But... What can we say? What do we say? 
what is part of the character of Jesus Christ. He is beautiful. He is our sweet Savior. 27 verse 4, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and surely with the full revelation and knowing the full blossoming flower of the plan of God for salvation, we can see that beauty in ways that David could not. What is the beauty of our Savior who came? He will come to conquer in all might, but before that he came in humility. He came to suffer. He came to die. He came to give of himself so that others might live. He came to die for sinners so that sinners repenting of their sins and trusting in him would have eternal life. He died so that others might live. There is a great beauty in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Beautiful Savior. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. When we're facing all the different seasons of darkness, whatever shape and form that darkness takes, however the darkness is is coming upon us in, in our seasons of darkness, gaze upon the beauty of our God, upon the beauty of the work of our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. How sweet it is to consider his work. But now, brothers and sisters, we come to our third point, praying for God's strength. And in verses 1 to 6, and in the last two verses, we have... In verses 13 and 14, it's a declaration. It's speaking about who God is. It's, It's declaring. In verses 7 to 12, it's all in the second person. It's all a pleading. It's all a prayer. You, you. You. It's it's a it's a different tone. It's a it's a prayer, verses seven to twelve, surrounded by declarations of truth and professions of faith. That's the structure of Psalm twenty-seven. And brothers and sisters, within that prayer, we see expressions of need we see expressions of how the darkness is weighing upon David. Indeed, here is the part where we still see the darkness of the battle, verse 12, but we also have other kinds of darkness which David is facing. And before we work through those, I just want us to think about that structure itself. Do you know who Jesus is? Can you name some of the attributes of God? Are you ready to proclaim God is light? He is my light and my salvation? 
Do you desire to go to God's house and to worship him even in seasons of darkness and to profess his name and say, yes, I am a sinner saved by grace. I rejoice to praise him, to worship him, to come into his presence. And now what does that mean? Does that mean that your prayers are never going to be without doubt? That your prayers are are now uh, all going to be only uh, praise and thanksgiving? And that there's not going to be any heaviness or any doubt anymore? No, it does not mean that. The structure of Psalm 27 shows us that we can have a great understanding of who God is and declare who He is. And we can desire to come into His house and to gaze on the beauty of who He is. But then, when our prayer begins and we pour out the language of of prayer, I come to you, hear, O Lord, verses 7 to 12, our prayer is still going to have heaviness and even language of of doubt. Brothers and sisters, this this is true. This is true for us. I trust and hope that that you you know you can express the theological truths of who God is. And you can rejoice in those and be glad to worship Him and be glad to be here worshiping Him in a special way in His New Testament house. But your prayers are still going to have some language of, of doubt when you come to the Lord in prayer, aren't they? Well, this is, this is what we see from David. And so he's not only talking about the darkness of facing the battle with military language in verse 12. He also talks about two other darkness, uh, fears of darkness that he's facing. And the first one is, is doubt. Verse 9, there is this, there is this level of, of doubt. He does not have a perfect assurance In this way, he says, Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. David knows who the Lord is. David confesses his sins. But it's still, his prayer is not only praise and thanksgiving. It's also pouring out his his doubts and his struggles. The fear of doubt is part of the darkness, the seasons of darkness which David Faces. We see another. Uh, we see another uh, fear of darkness in verse ten. It's the fear of broken relationship. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. We went through some of the seasons of darkness that, that we might face in verse in our first point. Now let's add two things to that list, even as we could add many more. Seasons of doubt, that's its own kind of darkness. Seasons of relational loneliness. David was surrounded by by other people, but he could still have relational loneliness. Certainly because uh, he completely violated what marriage was supposed to be. The historical record uh, in in Samuel and and Chronicles is that there's there's no hint of any real intimate relationship with, with his wives because he had broken what that relationship was supposed to be. And so we can imagine that David is surrounded by people, but he's lonely. He's violated what the family is supposed to look like. He doesn't have the family intimacy that he would desire. And so uh, there is a fear of, of broken relationships. There is this loneliness. 
see sometimes a season of darkness is sitting across from an enemy army and facing an army. Sometimes season of darkness is facing loneliness. There's still trust through the prayer. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. The end of verse 9. But the Lord will take me in, verse 10. But let's, let's hear that one can have a great understanding of theological truth and proclaim them, and yet our prayers are still going to have language of pleading, language of doubt, language of loneliness. This is what we bring before the Lord. We bring everything before the Lord. Bring Him all of your fears. Pour out all of your fears of darkness before Him. The Lord is my light. And I can uh, open up all of my fears to the Lord who is my strength. The Lord is able to teach us. Teach me your way, verse 11. And I need the Lord's teaching to help me. There are things that I cannot understand. I need the teaching of the Lord. Lead me on a level path. How can we paraphrase that? Right now, my path is thorny and rough and difficult. I need you to lead me onto a level path. The Lord does this. Does this with uh, great promises for the future. The Lord does this in the here and now. That's what verse 13, as we, we looked a little bit at the end of the psalm, we're going to come to conclusion by looking a little bit more at these last two verses. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Throughout the Old Testament, that is always an expression of the place of those who are not yet in the grave. The land of the living is this, this earth. This, uh, this sin-cursed earth full of all kinds of troubles and darknesses and all of those things, uh, but it's the land of the living where those who are yet alive are. In other words, if we take the theme of worship to go all the way back to Psalm 23, where the hope is that even after facing the valley of the shadow of death, we can still talk about worshiping the Lord because we'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So we talk about worship with an, with an eternal outlook even after facing the enemy of death. But Psalm 27 is, is focused on the here and now. As Christians, we do not only look forward. We have a great hope even through the valley of the shadow of death. But we also have hope here in the land of the living. God is good now. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord now. I will know that the Lord is good forever, but I know now already, even with all these seasons of darkness and doubts and fears, I know already now that the Lord is good. Again, all through the psalm, the Lord is good, the Lord is strong. So that's all what leads up to Verse 14, be strong and courageous. We can be strong in the face of that which makes us afraid, in the face of our seasons of darkness, because the Lord is strong. Because the Lord is strong, 
this has meaning. It's not just be strong and courageous because you can be strong and courageous. It's be strong and courageous because the Lord is your God. He is the God of light. He is the God of strength. He is the one who gave His very Son the light of the world to save us from the darkness of our own sin, to save us from all of the darkness of this earth. But already now in the land of the living, He is good and my protection. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, our Lord, help us to wait for you. If our seasons of darkness are the trial...